we have some new technology today. Since Pete's not here, I get to be the guinea pig. When I press this button, it's supposed to come on here and up there. What do you think? Is it going to work? Hey! <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. We was going to blame Pete if it didn't work. <laughs> Hey, so before we begin, I um, want to let you know we're going to be in the Gospel of uh, Luke today. So Luke chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and put your finger there or mark there. Luke chapter 12, we'll be uh, we look at verses 22 through 34 um, here in a little bit. As we kind of wrap up uh, our series here on our best life later. But here's what I'd like to do to begin. I like for, uh, I'm going to read uh, um, from Proverbs, and it's this proverb that I'm going to read is from Proverbs 39, and it's more of a prayer. And so if you would, I, just, I, I would just ask you to uh, close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm gonna, as I read this proverb, let's, let's treat it as a prayer as we begin today's uh, sermon. All right, will you bow with me? Proverbs 39.4 says, O Lord, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. Oh, how fleeting my life is. Lord, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, just a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all are busy rushing. It ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is in you. Amen? Amen. Hey, can we turn, up the, turn on the house lights? I'd like to see you. What a great reminder, what a great reminder that, uh, that proverb, that life is, is short, it's too short. It's a reality that we like to ignore, at least, I mean, I've ignored it a lot because nobody likes to think about your death and that how short life is. But as I am getting closer to being an empty nester, because I've just got one left, one left in the nest, He'll be leaving, well, not shortly. We give him, give him a few more years. <laughs> Don't pack your bags yet, Joe. <laughs> but as, as we get closer to that, it just gets me thinking um, about how much, how much time I'm spending with my kids. And I, I really want to make sure that I'm spending enough with time when, they, when the kids do come home with my family. And that's one of the reasons why I moved back home to Indiana. I wanted to be close to my family, because I did the math a few years ago, and the number of holidays that I have with mom and dad, and my wife has with her mom and dad, those are greater than the holidays ahead. And so I'm like, I, I want to be home. I want to spend time with, uh, with my family. I've missed out a lot in the past 20 years being gone. I mean, I missed out on a lot of celebrations. We were home for holidays and certain events, 
but I missed out on uh, uh, my nieces and nephews growing up because 20 years ago they either didn't exist or they were very small, and now they're much, they've grown up. And my parents have gotten older too, and I've gotten older because 20 years ago when I left Kokomo, I had a full head of hair, <laughs> and, I and I don't anymore, obviously. And at one time, believe it or not, I had a nice mullet. Maybe better than the mullets that you see these days. I mean, we were the generation who really brought that into popularity. But when I think about all that I've missed in the past uh, 20 years, man, I wish I could buy some of that time back. I really do. I miss, I mean, have you ever felt that way? That man, I, I, I wish I could, I could go back and, and take some time that I didn't take. I mean, think about this. For those of us who've lost loved ones, how much would you pay if you could spend one day, one day with a loved one that's already gone? Maybe not even a day. How much would you pay for just an hour? Maybe you didn't get to say goodbye like you wanted. Maybe there's just some things that were just, or just maybe you just missed them and you would give just about anything for even that one hour with them, just to talk again. And like I said, my, my kids, they're pretty much grown now. And I'd pay a lot of money if I could go back and spend a day when they were little. Not, nothing, no day in particular. You know, not, nothing special I'm thinking of. I just want to go back to when they were little, to when I came home. They all came running, Daddy's home. Just an ordinary day like that. Just to have my kids come rush, it's be a little awkward now. <laughs> so don't do it, boys. <laughs> I, would, I would pick just an ordinary day. Um, my girls were little in their pink pajamas before bedtime. Um, I, have, I still have this big, green, huge, oversized, lazy boy, and I could, I, I could fit them both right, right next to me at night. Oh, I just... I'd pay, I'd pay a lot of money to experience that again. My oldest daughter, Maria, is getting married next summer, and my wife reminded me that we are going to have to start sharing her during the holidays. And I'm like, what? I do not want to share. She is my daughter still. She's not married yet. Wouldn't it be nice if we could buy some time back? I'd love it. I'd love to do that. Well, we can't. You can't, uh, you can't go back in time. But what if I told you it is possible to add hours, days, weeks, months, even years to your life? What if I told you that was possible? What would you be willing to pay? Well, it is possible. Proverbs 9-11. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. How much would you pay for that wisdom? Because we're not talking about earthly wisdom. We're talking about godly wisdom. What, what would you give for that wisdom to buy yourself some more time? Now, if you're young, you probably do not care about buying more time because you think, I've got all the time in the world. I remember when I was young, I didn't care about buying more time. I thought I had all the time in the world. And in fact... Some of you youngins might get annoyed by us older folks always saying, well, time goes by so quickly. <laughs> I mean, I get annoyed by it at times. Or maybe 
you're getting a little older and you're just tired of this old world and you're ready for your best life later. I get it, but I think for most of us, if I was to, uh, if I was to offer you on one hand a billion dollars, because a million just isn't that much anymore, right? So a billion dollars, all right? Now, you can't give it away. You can only spend it. You get a billion dollars, and I'll give, you, I'll give you not just a week, I'll give you a month to live. So that's the caveat. Billion dollars, but only a month to live. Or on this hand, you get no money, but you are promised a guaranteed long and happy, healthy life. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Remember, you can't give the billion dollars away. I think most of us, we're going to choose the time. Because the most valuable resource that we have is time. Because time equals life. And so as we wrap up this series today, my best life later, I want to show you that when you treat your money with godly wisdom, you actually buy yourself more time. You will buy yourself more time with the, with the ones that you love. Secondly, you'll buy yourself more time to do the things that you love. And third, perhaps you will possibly even buy yourself more time on this earth. But most of all, what godly wisdom produces is treasures in heaven and your best life later. Now, this concept of uh, buying more time I was uh, introduced to a different perspective on what this is about a year ago. I was, doing a, uh, I was doing a retreat for some preachers and their wives. And as we are wrapping up this retreat, we're kind of just summarizing things. And I'm going over with them um, what I call the power of the pause. And I remind them that, hey, Jesus was never in a hurry, but he accomplished so much. And I remind, I, I remind them of the power of the pause and how there are certain things you have to take time for, especially if you're ministering to others. And so as we're wrapping up, one of the wives shared, hey, we're actually going to be buying time for our family. We're going to be buying some time with our kids. And I'm like, well, please explain. And so she, and so she explains. How, so this couple, they were leaving church ministry because he um, was entering a um, becoming a military chaplain. And so there's going to be times that that was going to take him away from family. And so what they decided, since he was going to be getting a significant raise in income, that they were going to take some of that extra income and buy some time for their family, which means projects around the house, they're going to pay somebody to do. Um, even helping out with some cleaning at times, helping out with childcare so husband and wife could have some time. They were committed to taking some, a lot of their extra money to buy time with their family. So instead of buy, taking their extra income and increasing their standard of living, they're actually using their resources to buy more time with each other. And I love this idea. And I left the retreat thinking, well, I hope they got something out of it. Because I sure, if they didn't, I sure did. Because I had this on my brain. How can I buy more time with my family? And at that time, my oldest son, John, was in his senior year of high school. And, you know, senior year, he's trying to do everything that seniors do. And he is, and we want him to, but he's busy. He's in all kinds of different activities. Plus, he's working at, at, at Culver's at the time. And I'm like... How can I buy some time with my kid? And so I come up with this idea. I thought, 
you know what? We've got, we had some real estate at the time that I wanted to get, to get rid of because I'm, I'm, I'm at that time, I'm traveling back and forth from Iowa to here and I needed help anyway. So I, so I approached him. I said, listen, what if you just worked for me and you quit your job at Culver so you don't have to do any more closing late, getting, getting in late. We can work around your schedule. You can help out Dan. We can spend some more time together. So what do you think? And fortunately, he took up my offer. And so his entire, most of his senior year, um, he worked for me. Uh, just doing whatever needed to be done, whether it was at our house or somewhere else. And, and what happened is he actually had to work a little bit less and he got more time, not just with his family, but with his friends. And we got more time with our son. You see, wisdom, wisdom will buy you more time. Godly wisdom will. So let's review where we've been. Okay, Wisdom equals more time. But we began with trusting God. Remember week one, we talked about about tithing and not just and not just this concept that we're giving 10% or 15% or whatever percentage to God. We're trusting God with, with all of our resources. That is the foundational part of our life with Christ. And then trusting God with all of our life, with all of our resources and time, that sets us up for this, to live a disciplined life, which means I am not going to be imprisoned by debt. Okay, I'm not going to spend more money than I have. I'm going, this, is, this is the essence of my best life later. I'm not trying to live my best life now. I'm going to be disciplined with my resources so that later that sets me up to be generous to others. Because I've been disciplined with my time and my resources and my finances, I can be generous and generosity well, it leads to leaving a good, good godly legacy. That's the essence of our best life later. And so we started at the very beginning, we started talking about tithing. So how in the world can tithing buy you more time? Well, follow me for a moment. Let's use some wisdom. Let's, use, let's, let's reason together. Think about this for a moment. Ultimately, we're talking about, with tithing, trusting God. Not just with a small percentage, but with everything. And so we're going to trust God's financial system, not our own. Because when, when you tithe, you're basically saying, God, my life is not my own. I'm going to trust you. You are my creator. And so I'm going to manage all my resources, how you've asked me, how you've designed me to. But when you don't tithe, when you don't trust God with your first fruits... You're basically saying, God, I do not trust you to help me to live on less. I will be the manager of everything I own. I will be in the driver's seat. Jesus, take the wheel? I don't think so. It's going to be, I did it my way. I'll carry my own burden. I don't need your help carrying the, the burden. Because in our earthly minds... Our wisdom, this, this doesn't make sense to give some of our resources away. We think if, I'm, if I have less, then I'm going to have to work harder. That's going to be more of a burden on me. But listen, Scripture says God's ways 
are much higher than ours. I mean, Jesus says the first will be last, the last will be first. That doesn't make sense to us. But Jesus says, hey, I know this doesn't make sense, but listen, my burden is light. It's not heavy. But not tithing means you've decided you're going to carry it on your own. You've decided, I don't want help with my burden. But when you tithe, you acknowledge that I don't want to be on my own. You acknowledge that this is a partnership. And I don't know how it's all going to work out, but the bulk of this burden is on God because I'm trusting him. And it sets, you, it sets your, your life up to be blessed by him when you trust him in that way. So let's go to our text today. And look what Jesus, glean some, some wisdom about Jesus when he, when he talks about this life of trusting, trusting God. We'll go to Luke uh, chapter uh, 12, verse 22. We'll start there. It says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any bird. And then this is the key verse right here. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus says, no. No way. In fact, what do we know about worry? What does a lot of worrying cause? Stress. What does a lot of stress cause? <laughs> All sorts. Health problems. What does a lot of health problems cause? Yeah, a shorter life. A shorter life. And so, if wisdom equals more time, then worry... Worry equals less time. So Jesus says, don't worry. Trust me. Trust God. Not just with your finances, but all of your life. And when you do this, with that foundational part of our faith, of just trusting God, living in faith, he teaches us something when we, when we walk on that foundation, something very important. I mean, extremely important if you want to live a glorified life. Blessed life in Christ. You want to know what it is? Maybe? Yes. <laughs> contentment. He teaches you contentment, but only when you walk in faith. If you don't walk in faith, you're never going to learn contentment. You know, worry is less time. Contentment equals more time. Lack of, a lack of, con of contentment, think about this. It will drive you to want more. I want more things. It will drive you to take on debt, debt that you can't handle. You'll desire, you, you will have a desire to want more, and you're stealing from yourself. You're, you're, you're stealing time. Because the only way to get out of debt is to work more which means more time. So that's why contentment is very important. It will buy you a lot more time. So let's review. Wisdom equals more time. 
Worry equals less time. Contentment, more time. Debt, less time. You see, debt, the, the Bible never says anything good about debt. doesn't necessarily mean, mean that you're a big fat sinner, but debt is not healthy, especially debt that you cannot handle. Yet we Americans, we treat debt like it's a way of life. I wish I would have learned earlier that it's not. It doesn't have to be. And my wife and I have done a lot of work in the past several years to attack our debt. But it's still a temptation. Even though we are we're trusting God with our finances, we're trying to live in faith, it's still a temptation. Because in particular, let me give you an example. Uh, so we, in our new home, in my backyard, I have the Wildcat Creek. And so one of the, one of the uh, things I've been desiring... Is a, is a kayak, because I want to be on the river. And so I was at Bass Pro a couple weeks ago, and man, they have some really nice kayaks. And so, I mean, they have some cheaper ones, but I really like the more expensive ones. And there was a, one that was a couple grand, and I'm like, this would be great to have. And I reasoned in my mind, if I buy this, then I'll be able to spend some quality time with my family, or with Jesus just out there by myself. So... So surely Jesus won't mind if I put this $2,000 kayak on the charge card, right? But my wife might. (laughs) (laughs) But since I want to stay married, I I paused and, and remembered our commitment to not being a slave to debt. And I, uh, instead of the $2,000 kayak, I bought a 200 used kayak from a neighbor down the street. So $200 of money I had, as opposed to $2,000 of money I didn't have. And you know what? Friday night, my son and I, we had, we had just as good a time in the $200 kayaks as we would have in the $2,000 kayaks. Contentment. That's what contentment does. It gives you more time gives you more time for people that you love, for things that you love to do. Besides that, I would have been sleeping on the couch if I had bought the $2,000 one. And I would have been feeling guilty while I'm out there on the river, just floating down the wildcat. I would have been worrying about the debt I just took on instead of enjoying the time with my son. So not gaining time, but losing time. So trusting God and living in faith. When you do that, God teaches you contentment. Jesus goes on to say, here in verse 29, he says, And don't be concerned about what you eat and what you drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you what? Everything that you need. Jesus, now listen. Jesus doesn't say that you can't have goals and ambitions in life. He never says it's wrong to have success. He says, he says what? Seek the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God. You can have, if you have goals and ambitions, good. But make sure that as you work towards them, you do so in such a way that glorifies God and supports his kingdom. And specifically, one of the ways we support his kingdom is by building up treasures in heaven. In fact, when you're considering, you know, a a decision in life, um, whether something is worth your time, two of the most important questions you can ask is this. Will this glorify God 
And secondly, will this build treasures in heaven? Will this build up God's kingdom? So when you're considering, is, is this worth my time? Will it glorify God? Will it build treasures in heaven? Not just for myself, but for us. Now, let me pause here for a moment, because I want you to understand that we could take this glorifying God and say, well, I've, I'm, I'm going to do this good thing over here, because it's good, so surely this is okay to do. It's worth my time. But if this good thing makes you neglect your family, your wife and kids, then you aren't glorifying God. So really use some wisdom and discernment here. Don't, you can't fool the Holy Spirit. And think about this. Anytime you say yes to something, then what, then what, what, else, what also are you doing? You're saying no to something else. So consider those two questions. Ambitions and goals that do not glorify God that do not give you treasures in heaven, they will cost you. They'll cost you time, money, relationships. And listen, relationships are a big part of our treasures in heaven. That's why the power of the pause is so important. I, just, I mentioned that earlier. So let's talk about it a little bit, this power of the pause. I mean, think about how many regrets we wouldn't have if we had paused to consider some of the decisions that we've made in the past. Think about how more time we would have or maybe how more, more finances we would have. You know, so this is something that I've battled in all of my life because I, I have ambitions and goals. I like to dream. I like to build stuff. I like cool stuff. And I've been thinking, you know, as I'm 50 now, I know I'm, I'm still a ways from retirement, but I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot more now. And... Uh, I, I'm, I'm coming to realize that I, I need to be careful how much I spend, not just with my money, but with my time. For example, here in the next uh, year or so, I would like to build me a great big pole barn in my backyard. I mean, a pole barn to fit all my big toys in that I also want. <laughs> but, the, but, I've, but I've been pausing lately and talking with the Lord about this bigger barn and I've reasoned that the more I spend on this barn, the more time it's going to take, because I can't afford to just have somebody do it all, right, right Dad? <laughs> and those resources I'm not going to have for retirement or other things that I need. So that will, that will, that will push that down the road. And listen, I, I don't plan, I, I plan on... I never plan on just fully retiring, but I need something for retirement. And so I've been pausing and really trying to diligently talk to God and use some wisdom. I've been asking myself and, and God, how is building a bigger barn or a barn at all, how is that glorifying God? How will it? How is that building me treasures in heaven? And then I think about, which is the worst what Jesus said about building bigger barns? He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't have a lot of good things to say about building bigger barns, did he? So what do you think? Should I build a barn or no barn? Are barns bad? <laughs> no, barns aren't bad. Jesus didn't say that barns are bad. He said building bigger and bigger barns for your stuff is bad. So I'm still going to build a barn, but here's what my mindset has been. I've been pausing, talking with the Lord, Trying to figure out how to be content 
with a much smaller barn and much smaller stuff. I do not need a basketball court inside my pole barn. Now, it would be fun. <laughs> but I've been convicted about smaller barn. Or, or maybe, maybe it would be less uh, guilty if I just do a great big shed. <laughs> and we won't call it a barn. Does that count? I, I don't think so. But, but, but that's the power of the pause. Not just rushing into a financial decision like that, but pausing. The power of the pause. When you take time to wrestle with God, not just with big decisions, but just decisions of your life. Stuff like, do I really need the new car? Stuff like, do my kids really need to be involved in all of this? Do I need to take a second job so that, so that my kids can still be involved in all of this? Or maybe should I cut my budget? Even, even making decisions of should I volunteer at the school or the church, if those things are not going to actually glorify God and build treasures in heaven, then, then maybe, maybe it's a no-brainer. But the power of the pause, it's not just about gaining wisdom and making wise decisions. Look here, Jesus says this, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And so what? So don't be afraid. Because fear, fear will paralyze. Fear steals time. Fear brings worry back into the picture. And we know what worry does. It takes away our time. Fear of even of, of living with a content life in Christ. Here's what fear does. Fear whispers to you, hey, God's not going to come through for you this time. Maybe he did in the past. And yes, God can do anything, but fear will say, hey, after all the stupid stuff you've been pulling lately, do you really think he's going to bail you out this time? That's what fear does. Fear doesn't want you to walk in faith. So when you pause and you spend some time in prayer with Jesus and perhaps some time in prayer with some Jesus and, and your friends, you give the Holy Spirit some time to deal with your fear and remind you of how faithful God has been. But fear, when you give in to fear, it convinces you to hold tight to what you have, to hoard and build bigger barns. Fear feeds your greed. But our time with Jesus, when we pause, it reminds us not to be too attached with worldly things. And so here's what it looks like when we're, when we're living in faith, not fear. It gives us that, that opportunity to learn, learn contentment, to build treasures in heaven, all so that we can have our best life later. Jesus says, don't, don't be controlled by fear. Don't hold on. Here in, here in Luke, he says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. He's not saying sell everything. What Jesus is saying, live generously. Then you will store up treasures for yourself in heaven, and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes, your treasures will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will also be. But fear, fear, it will take away your treasures. It will take them away or keep you from having them. Fear and greed, they will dominate your time. Fear and greed will fill up your schedule. And that's Satan's hope. 
to fill up your schedule so you don't have time to pause and be with Jesus. Fear and greed will fill up your schedule to the point where you don't have time for a small group or for a Sunday school class to learn more about Jesus and to develop your relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear and greed will fill up your schedule. You don't have time to pause before you start your day and spend it with Jesus or end your day with Jesus. You don't have time. You think, you think Lord, I don't have time for my family, let alone you. But that's what worry and discontentment and fear and greed do. They steal your time. Time, what a gift we have been given. So isn't it time to start buying back some of your time? You know, I mentioned, I mentioned a little bit about this power of the pause, and I don't have time to go into a bunch of it, but if you're not sure what I'm talking about here, one of the ways we practice the power of the pause is every Sunday here around the Lord's table. We pause and observe the Lord's communion. And if this is difficult for you, if it's hard for you to focus and pause for our communion time, then perhaps it's because you find it difficult to pause during your week or that you never do. I mean, think about this. If you are always on the go, if your schedule is already full, if every week is just a blur, that, that you just run a million miles an hour Monday through Saturday, and then think you can just, just run in here and just slam on the brakes and think that that's going to work for you. It's not. If this is the only time you pause, then you are going to get to a point to where you're going to say to yourself and to others, this church thing isn't really working for me. So you're going to go find another church. Or you're just going to give up on the church and your relationship with Jesus altogether. If your plate is full this morning, I want to give you this encouragement from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians before we close. Paul says this, friends, time is of the essence. There is no time to waste. So don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, in grief, joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, your daily routine of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world trusts on you, thrust on you. This world as you see it, as we began, is fading away, and so is our time. And so as we, as we begin to uh, prepare for communion, I want to... I want to give you uh, some wisdom that I think is very, pers- that is very helpful that has helped me. If you want to be able to experience the power of the pause and what Jesus can do for you in your life, then you must have margin in your life. So what is margin? That is just time that you have in, in your schedule every week where nothing is scheduled. As if your plate is full it's very difficult to pause because a lot of times, even if you have pauses scheduled in your week, life can get so busy that you have no time to pause. And so as we get ready to come around the Lord's table, I want to give you a, a visual example of what I would like for you to do when you think about what margin is, okay? You know, 
Margin is everything around the edges, right? That's the margin. That's where the teacher writes all the red stuff, right? So I'm going to pray in just a moment. As we go into uh, the Lord's Supper, I want you to think mentally, spiritually, how you can start doing this, okay? How you can start cutting some things out of your life, things that really aren't build, help, helping you build treasures in heaven, things that really, when it comes down to it, do not glorify God. But it's starting to cut some things out and replace it with margin. Nothing that's scheduled, nothing that's urgent, just some margin so that when life throws you a curveball, you've got some margin to be able to pause and be with Jesus or pause and have that conversation with your son or daughter or with your wife, pause and talk about how maybe we need to rework our budget and priorities be able to pause and just spend some extra time with Jesus because you know what extra time with Jesus will give you? More time. So I'm going to pray and the band's going to come out and they'll play. While they're playing, think about how you're going to create margin in your life because without margin, all the things that we've been talking about is going to be very difficult to do. Your plate cannot be completely full and you live your best life later. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's, uh, it's just so easy for us to get um, distracted. Even, even when we have margin, Lord, those stinking phones and stuff can just you know, take up our time. Father, we, we have uh, so many shiny things in this life that attract us. We do have ambitions and goals. And so, Father, I'm just, I'm just asking that uh, your Holy Spirit convict us all, convict me. What I need to cut out of my life to create more margin so there's more time for you, more time for the people I love, more time to glorify you. Lord, we want to live our best life later, not our best life now. So forgive us when we hold tight to not just the things we have, but the time that we have. And we're greedy with our time. You are a loving and gracious God. So help us live simple lives of faith following you. Build contentment in us so that we can live generously. So that just as Christ has given us the example of giving his life away on the, Christ, on the cross, we can also do that in our, in our life of living in such a way that we give our life away, our best life later. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So take a few moments, think about margin, think about what you need to cut out. As you partake of the loaf and the cup, you don't have to be a member here if you're a follower of Christ.